0: What's up, everybody? This is Dex with the I Am Pitch Podcast, and I'm finally back for another episode. But first, before we get down to business, I got some news for y'all. What do you get when you take three salty cops from Erie, Pennsylvania, and you put them together and they form a company? You get Gunfighter Trading Company. That's right. Gunfighter Trading Company. They are officially my first sponsor, and I just wanted to come here to tell you all, how great they are as a company and how awesome they are in their products you know a couple months back my buddy eric tansy gave me a candle from them and this candle is called duty belt from the moment i lit up this candle i told y'all i've been real nostalgic lately the smell transported me back to being in the military in the company bay where everybody goes and cleans their weapons and the smell was so manly and so strong man my wife comes down in the basement. and She's like, you know what? It smells like you. And I was like, you damn right it does. This is exactly what I wanted to hear. And not only do they have the candles, they're not just candles. When you burn it down to the end, the candle then turns into a bourbon glass for you to drink your favorite bourbon out of. And for those days when you get off duty and get off shift or you come out from the field and you're stankin, and you need to wash that ass. You need to get some gunfighter trading company soap. They have the goat milk soap. They got filled fire watch and many others. And also for all you city cops out here rocking the retention beard. Yes, the retention beard. You know what the retention beard is. You were thinking about leaving law enforcement. You were thinking about calling it quits. And after all the crap we've been through the last few years, you're like, I'm done. And you know what your department said? You know what? We'll let you have a beard to retain you. Yes, that's a retention beard. So now you're still policing and now you got this nice beard. And I think it's a shame that you all are allowed to rock these magnificent retention beards, but you're not taking care of it properly. Well, if you want to take care of it properly, you're going to go to gunfightertrading.co and get some of the gunfighter beard balm. Like I say, now I can't rock the beard anymore because I work at a very, very traditional, very traditional police department now. But if I was allowed to have a beard back, I'd definitely be going and getting me some of this beard balm. You know, who knows? I might get it and Just put some on my head anyway, just to support them. So you all listening out there, you all say you love police, you love veterans and all that. Well, here's your chance and here's your time to go and support these three awesome officers from Erie, Pennsylvania. Buy their products, go buy some merch, go buy whatever you can from these guys. And I promise you, you will absolutely love the product. I am in love with it. And that is why I am telling you all on my podcast. Go to gunfightertrading.co. But now that we got that out of the way, yes, it's time to get to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, there wasn't going to be a show today. Why? I'm tired. Real tired. Man, I did a six day stretch on night shifts. The sixth day was an optional day I did to help out because we were short. But man, I am exhausted. I was supposed to have this, this show done a week ago, y'all. But man, a hey, brother is I burned the wick at both ends, man. I'm. Struggling, dude. I'm not sleeping well. And my God, dude. So I'm trying to get myself together over here. But the only reason I'm doing this show now because I just had an interview with the awesome 108 from the 108 Podcast and 108 Mean Page. My man, shout out. If you're not following him, be sure to go follow him on 108 Podcast on Instagram. And man, so, you know, I, sh- I didn't want to get up this morning because I'm off. It's my second day off. I go back to work tomorrow night. And I was just like, I don't have the energy, don't have the time. But after doing my interview with 10-8, I was like, you know what? I'm already here and I'm already in front of the microphone. I'm already in it. Why the hell not just keep going? Let's just push through. Let me do my show and give the people what they want. So yet here I am, exhausted with a sinus infection, ready to do the show. Because I love y'all and I believe in y'all. I hope you believe in me. So the other day when I was at work, I was having a conversation with one of my sergeants. We were talking about the Bible and we were just talking about life. And one of the things we started talking about was being a good person. And how we all should just be a good person. Such a simple concept. But for some odd reason, we make it so difficult. I don't know why. That's just the human condition. You know, he's a very spiritual Christian man like myself, very biblically oriented. And, you know, he, and I told, he asked me like, what do I want to do in life? I told him, I was like, man, I just really want to be a good person. That's all I want to do for the most part. Just be good and do good for people. You know, and he reminded me of the Bible verse that says, there's no good person. There's no, not one. And what that is saying that none of us, no matter how good we try to be, we're screwed up. We suck. We're humans. We're flawed. The only good and perfect person to ever walk this earth was Jesus Christ himself. Now, for some of y'all that aren't Christian or atheist don't believe in Jesus Christ? Well, you might not believe in it, but I believe if you don't believe in it, you can at least listen to the story of Jesus Christ and at least identify with it and understand what the parables and the things in the stories within say that anybody can take from the Bible and learn from it and become a better person. Not a perfect person, but a better person, you know, but the Bible says that there's no good person. No, not one. And that me myself included. You know, I I have my issues. If you've listened to the show before, my Lord, I have said some things that if my mother was alive, she would probably cringe. But that's okay because I'm a flawed person just like anybody else. But just because the Bible says that there's no such thing as a good person, it does not mean that we should not strive to be decent in our everyday lives and be good. You know, just because somebody says you already failed does not mean that you should just give up and stop on life. And just because the Bible says that you're not good does not mean that you should stop trying to be good. Yes, you're going to fail, but fail with grace and be sure to give grace to others. You know, and one of the traps I often fall into being a police officer and just me in general with the life I live and trying so hard to be a good person. You know, nobody is better than the other person, but sometimes my downside is. I look at people involved in situations and I think I would never do that. I would never say that. Well, you know what? I'm not that person and I'm not in their situation or their circumstances. So me passing judgment on them and feeling all high and mighty, like I would never, you know, that's horrible on me because who knows what I would be doing if I was in that person's shoes. You know, like I said, that's the downside of me is that, you know, you, and I think with a lot of police officers, man, we kind of get to this point where we look down on people because we see the worst of people every day. But me and my buddies, we've talked before, whereas I go to work sometimes and I'm feeling bad about myself in the current situation i you know, Then I, I go to work and I deal with people in these even worse situations and I reflect on my life and I then say, you know what, I'm not doing too bad. I'm not as dumb as I look or as, uh, not as dumb as I thought I was. There's always somebody worse off than you. But that doesn't mean that you're better than that person. You know, we have to realize that no one is better than the other person, because we all have our days where we where we just missed the mark. My Lord, I've missed the mark so many days and I still continue to miss the mark. But the difference is there are those of us that realize that we missed the mark and fallen short. And there are those of us who don't care about the mark and don't even care to try to reach that level and try to accomplish the mission. They don't care about the mark, what it is like. They're just not going to try and they're just going to be a crappy person because that's just what they want to do and want to be. And that's a horrible way to live. You now a person that has no expectation of themselves or others, that's a dangerous person and not a very good person to be around. They're kind of a loose cannon. But like I said, since I know that I suck and everybody else sucks too, I'm just waiting for everybody else to realize that they suck as well and wait for everybody else to realize that they're not as smart as they thought they were. Even though we all have our issues, I still believe that there are just certain markers in life that... Make a person decent. You know, what I do, I do, I'm a cop. And even when I'm networking, I watch people, you know. And I think that, that, that there are just some things that people do that show you that they're a decent person or that they're not a decent person. So I've compiled a list of four things that people do that kind of reveal their character and who they really are deep down at their core. So the first one I have on the list is How you treat people who can't do anything for you or give you anything. To me, that is the one of the number one signs of a person's true integrity and a person's true character and what's really in their heart. I mean, it's easy to go out here and loan money to people and give them whatever they want and need, believing that this person is going to give it back to you. But it's a it takes a different person to give something to somebody, knowing that they're not going to give it back. So, for example, not to brag, yo, but one of the things I've learned from Dave Ramsey, the financial guru, is you never loan people money because it changes things and it changes the relationship between you and that person. We've all been there. I had a homie back in the day. I was like, "Hey, bro, I need some money for my kids. I need to buy my kids some diapers, yo." And I was like, "Hey, bro, I got you." So I remember I sent him some money, you know, gave him some cash, some dollars. And I remember seeing him a couple weeks later, and I was like, "Yo, man, you got my money?" He's like, man, I'll get it back to you. And I looked down on this fool. This fool had a brand new watch on his wrist. I was like, yo, what the? F- Bro, like, you better not take in this money that was for your kids and bought this wrist watch. He ain't had no watch before, yo. So it just kind of messed me up, man. It made me so mad. I was so mad, and it changed our friendship. Yo. And that's because I expected to get something back from him. But Dave Ramsey says that, you know, don't expect anything back from him. And so me and my wife now, man, we get we do this thing where if somebody asks us for money. We don't loan anybody money, never. If we have it, guess what we do? We simply just give it. And there is no expectation attached to that gift. Because the fact that you need that money, if you need that money that bad, I'm pretty sure it's going to be pretty dad going hard for you to work to get that money to give it back to me. Yeah, so I'd be doing you a disservice by putting you in debt to me. And me, I don't want anybody to feel that as though that they're in debt to me for anything. You know, that's just not the way me and my wife want to live our lives. And that's just not the example we want to set to our children. No, we are here to help people. You don't help people by putting them in debt to you. You know, I understand if you were a bank or something. Yeah, that's a totally different thing. But you're not a bank. You're just a person. And as a person who has struggled and been through some things like myself, I have that's been a situation where I needed money, you know, Hey, the worst thing is taking that money and knowing that you can't pay somebody back. And I remember how I felt. And I know my wife remember how she felt when she was in college going through that. Yo, know, and I, I don't want everyone, anybody to feel like that, man. And so I feel like if you can help somebody, just help them. You don't have to give them all the money that, I mean, if you got something to give them, give it to them, but don't expect anything bad because like I said, that changes the dynamic. You know, give the gift without expectation. And man, I tell you what, I have, I had a buddy that I was with in the Army. I remember this guy, he asked me one day, I was doing really well at that time. And he was like, bro, I need $500. And I had the money. Before I did it, I talked to my wife. I was like, yo, my homeboy needs $500. We, we have it. And we're not hurting at all. And I remember I sent him the money and he thanked me as like, I'm gonna pay you back. I was like, bro, you don't ever have to pay me back. This is, I love you. You're my brother. And you know what, man? I remember when I left the border patrol in 2019 you know, and I was out of a job and things were getting tight and I blew through all my savings and it's kind of struggling, man. You know, I remember my homeboy called and asked me, and this was like three, four years later. You know, he's like, man, Hey, what's your address? I want to send you something. I was like, man, you ain't got to send me nothing, bro. He's like, no, nah, I got a gift for you, man. And I gave him my address. I opened up the check. I I opened up the envelope, and it was a check for five hundred dollars. I was like, "Why'd you send me five hundred dollars?" He's like, "Bro, remember that time you you gave me that five hundred dollars and I needed it?" He's like, "Man, I'm back on my feet and I'm doing well, and I know you're in a hard part. I just wanted to tell you, thank you, and I wanted to do something for you." And man, my God, dude, I almost cried, man. (laughs) Me, big old infantry guy, almost broke down in tears because, I mean, we needed that money so bad at that point in time. you know, And it was like, wow, man. So I'm a best believe I'm a believer in karma and what you put out into the world. You definitely get back and you reap what you sow. So what do you want to sow? Do You want to sow putting people in debt to you, because I guarantee you you're going to be in the point where you need somebody else at some point in time. And you're not going to want to be in debt to that person. So think about how you do people that can't do anything for you. I mean, it's that simple, man. Be a decent person, you know? So number two on the list, shopping carts. I know y'all thinking, why shopping carts? Let me tell y'all something. There's something to me that goes through me and happens to me when I see people at a store, Costco, Walmart, Kroger, wherever. And they get these, they get their groceries, they load them up, and then they just put their shopping carts anywhere and they don't care or think about anybody else. And they just think these shopping carts are gonna magically just you know reappear in the store when they come here next time. No, that's somebody that has to go out into the cold, into the rain, get wet, and collect all these carts, yo, and put all of these carts together and put them back in there. So when you come back to your next trip to the grocery store, you can simply just get a cart and go on about your life. And for me, I feel like people that don't take the time to walk the extra 20 feet, to put the cart in the cart corral are just selfish 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 people lazy and they don't think about anybody else but themselves to me I don't know what it is man I just feel like the people that do that I hate to call them low class but I just feel like it's low class it really is because it ain't about you man somebody has to go out here and do this work and for me if somebody is that if somebody can't take like 30 seconds and walk 20 feet for another human being. What does that say about you? So I always set the example for my kids when we go grocery shopping. Every time I take that cart, I see people in the parking lot gathering carts and I'm thinking, man, you know what? I don't want this dude to have to go over there to get that loose cart there to get that loose card and there to get that loose cart. I want to make this person's life easier. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put these carts in this cart in a designated area to help make this man's life a little better. And the fact that most people don't even think about that just shows you how selfish most people are. They don't care. I got my groceries. I got what I needed. I'm gone. I ain't thinking about nobody else. That's very very inconsiderate man. So put your golf cart. Yeah put your carts away. It's a golf carts. (laughs) Put your carts back in the car corral people. It ain't about you out here. Like I said we're doing this thing called life together. And number three on the list. Number three, how you park. I know it's another it's kind of related to shopping carts almost, man, both taking place in the parking lot. But there is just something about the way people park that turns them into part of my language assholes. You know, we went me and my family went out to eat a couple of nights or a couple of weeks ago. And I remember there was this one parking spot and I get close to the parking spot and there's this really, really super nice car. That's a Porsche that's parked double parked, and he purposely went over the line so that people could not park next to him. Now, personally, what I wanted to do was pull into that spot super close, super tight, climb out on the other side so that he couldn't get into his car and get out because that there, man, that is the most, that's so selfish, as a matter of fact, to think that uh, you're so special and you're so important, you love your car so much, so you could come eat with the regular folks, but you can't park like the regular folks. I'm sorry, homie. Man, if my wife wouldn't have been with me, bro, I would have parked that car right next to his door and he would have had to climb in through his passenger seat to drive off. But my wife is, she's a decent person. She's like, don't do it, Dexter. Just go find a different parking space, okay? So we rolled around for the extra couple minutes and found a decent parking space. Man, I wanted to go inside that restaurant and find out who that was and just give this person the beat down of a lifetime. And I know what you're thinking. Why so petty and why so violent over a parking spot? Because it's inconsiderate, man. I don't I hate when people are inconsiderate of others. You know, just you are not special because you drive this super nice car that you probably can't afford. If you're eating at the same place as we eating at, I'm just gonna say, bro, you probably ain't balling like you think you are. I'm probably pretty sure you're behind on your car payments, and you probably ain't got insurance. Stunting and flossing for no reason. Guarantee you, this is the type of person who went there and just just probably ordered an appetizer. <laughs> you no, know, my thing is, how dare you put a material possession before some. Your precious material possession before somebody else's, you know, it just makes no sense to me that you feel that entitled because of what you drive that you can't let somebody park to you. And I understand. you. Like, hey, you don't want nobody to hit your car and ding your car up. If that's the case, why don't you park your ass all the way in the back, far away from everybody else and just walk the extra distance to get to the restaurant? If you feel your car is that cool and that precious, but no, you feel like you're, you deserve that spot. Because you got a nice car. Well, that ain't how this thing works, bro. Not how it works, especially when people like me around. you You better be glad my wife was around. You wouldn't have got out of there that night. Trust me. I would have parked sideways next to you and everything. It can cause you great discomfort and put you in check. But like I said, my wife keeps me in check. So, no. So, number four on the list. And before I say number four, ladies and gentlemen, I have to confess to something. Number four is my weakness. Number four is where I fell, and I adamantly disagree with it. Number four is, I don't know. I think people have made number four more important than it really is. People have attached so much stuff to number four on this list that I just don't agree with. But apparently, I don't do it, so I'm a horrible person. And that is people who make their beds in the morning. Oh, God. Oh, the make your cr- the make your bed in the morning crowd drives me crazy. It makes me absolutely sick. What for? Why? If I'm going to be back in this mother a couple hours later and just mess it up, why am I going to get out of it and make it all nice and pretty? Ain't nobody else coming in there. It's just me and my wife. I don't care if the sheets aren't made. What difference does it make? This isn't army boot camp. I've been down that road. I used to make the little 90 degree corners with a knife hand, make my bed every morning. So I used to tuck them sheets so tight, bro. it was like a trampoline on that bad boy. I handled business, but now that I'm out of the military, I'm like, bro, what difference does it make? And you know what? I know I'm a horrible person because I don't believe in making my bed in the morning. And you know what? I'm still out here winning. And you know what? I don't make my kids make their bed in the morning. Because I don't think making a bed is that important to life. But you got the guy that did the uh, the whole speech on make your bed in the morning. You've already accomplished something for me. Just waking up is an accomplishment. OK, you know what I've been through in my life. I'm still happy to be here. That's an accomplishment to me. Making my bed I and mean, make my bed for what? It's the biggest waste of time, man. Talking about it's the small victories. bro. waking up without pain is the victory for me. That's what I'm talking about. Not wasting 30 minutes or however long it takes to make a bed. kind of foolishness is that you know they said that making your bed is (laughs) the hallmark of discipline and the hallmark of uh just getting your ducks in a row for the day and i'm just like no i don't agree and because i disagree with those people you know what i'm a piece of crap and i'm okay with that i'm willing to live with that i'm willing to die on the not making your bed in the morning hill and no one can tell me otherwise making your bed in the morning is not correspond with who you are as a person it just doesn't it doesn't let me ask y'all a question y'all think Shakira richardson made her bed that day she got on the plane and acted a damn fool and acting all hood and ghetto on that plane a couple a couple about a week ago let me ask you something so seeing her behavior on that plane so if you don't know what happened she got on the plane to go fly somewhere to go do some running and if y'all don't know who Shakira richardson is she's the super black well excuse me super black she's the super hood chick She's black and she runs in the Olympics and well, she was supposed to run in the Olympics and got in trouble because her mama died. And she smoked some weed and everybody was like, oh, my God, you know, you got to give her some grace. Her mother died. You got to be nice to her. I'm like, bro, rules, the rules, man. She made the decision to smoke, missed out on history. That's on her. I don't feel bad for her. But, you know, I was all right with people, you know, giving her a little grace and mercy because, hey, her mom died. I mean, yeah, but it sucks. I've been there and it's but I mean, you can't. The, we have rules for a reason. So that's who shikari Richardson is. And so people just, they were loving on her. Oh my gosh, she's a black queen. She's so nice and so elegant. She's so classy. And I was looking at her from the start like, man, I've met a thousand Shakari Richardsons in the hood every day. Look just like her, built just like her. Probably not as fast as her, but they're not that great of people when you get down to it. Now, I'm not saying that they're horrible people, and that they're all the same. I'm just saying. I've been around this. I, I, I know the mannerisms. I know the lingo and I know the attitude. And I was looking, I was like, man, oh, OK, well, let's see where this goes. So and then, so she gets on this plane and they're like, ma'am, you need to cut your phone off. Hey, we're getting ready to take off. And she just getting an attitude about taking the phone off. And then she does the whole hood thing where I don't like your attitude. I don't like the way you talk to me. And it's just like, well, just cut your phone off so everybody can leave. And then next, you know, she just starts in, picks up her phone and starts recording. And then everybody's like, boo, like, hey, get off the phone. And the next thing you know, who she really is comes out. The hood, the hood in her comes out. I don't care how famous you get, how much money you get, who you are in the inside when you're challenged always comes to the surface. And that's how I knew that after she got all that grace for getting caught smoking weed during the Olympics, yo, that she ain't changed that one bit. Man, she went straight hood and talking to these people, recording. Oh, let me tell you, something, Bobo. And then she started throwing names at people and just saying, "You, you're fat. Me, I'm famous. I can ride in first class if I want. Then, how come you're not riding in first class, then Shakari? How come you're not riding in first class? Just stirring trouble. And all of a sudden, everybody, she gets kicked off the plane, and everybody starts cheering that she's getting booted from the plane. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, man. This is the girl that y'all want to be a role model for your children. This is the attitude. This is this is the, the this is what you want. This is what you look up to. No, not at all. Not in the least bit. I knew that she just wasn't a good role model. Now, I'm not saying that she has to be perfect because none of us are perfect. But when you're in the limelight, the spotlight, you got to understand that people are looking to you. Everything you do matters. How you respond matters. And the way she responded man my god you know it's like why go through all this when you could just simply yes ma'am turn your phone off and go on with your life but you had to get the last word and you had to show out and try to use your fame your semi-fame because not everybody knows who she is people on the plane didn't give a damn who she was Yo, she was like they were they just trying to get to their next destination but her her attitude thinking that she's so important that she didn't have to follow the rules like everybody else And that's what's disappointing with her. You know, she got all this grace on this incident of smoking her weed, you know, getting caught, you know. And man, smoking weed does not make you a bad person. Drinking alcohol does not make you a bad person. What you do after you smoked it and after you drank is what decides kind of if you're a bad person or not. You know, her attitude was just so disgusting, man. And calling the guy fat just because just being mean and obnoxious for no reason because you got called out and you got caught and you're embarrassed. That's all that was to me. That's the mind of somebody that's not ready to go to that next level and be propelled up to something greater because you can't follow simple rules. Like I said, you couldn't follow simple rules in the Olympics of, Hey, you can't smoke weed. Sorry, your mama died. Hey, maybe after your race, yeah, go blow a J whatever. But you couldn't even hold out for that knowing that you had this major race hist- history to be made coming up. You couldn't even resist that. That just tells you more about her as a person in general. Like, I'm not saying that. Hey, man, hey, It's hard for me to talk crap because, you know, I'm not perfect. I have my downfalls. I have my downfalls and flaws like everybody else, man. You know, but to a certain point, we have to realize, like, what we're doing is not working. And this is going to hurt me more than it's going to benefit me. And I guess I don't know how she's. I know she's young. She's in her 20s. But at a certain point in time, she's going to have to grow up, man. She's going to have to and realize that we have rules in this world and rules in this country. And they're just certain rules on the plane. And because of your perceived status, you don't get to just do what you want to do. You still have to follow the rules. I mean, that is, of course, unless you're a politician. Then that's a whole different story that we're not going to get on right now. But, you know, but. Then it starts into the whole racial thing. Oh, they only called her out because she was black. Like, no, they did not. These people were trying to leave. People had places to go. And ain't nobody got no time for your ghetto nonsense. Don't nobody want to deal with all that, man. To so just follow the rules on that point in time and get to your final destination. like I say. And the worst part is, like she posted the video to incriminate herself and make herself look horrible. Awful, man. This is how you lose sponsorships. And this is how you lose fans. But then again, she's probably not going to lose any fans because I know all her friends are probably black and from the hood. You, that's right, girl, boo-boo. You showed them. The last thing she needs is a bunch of yes people in her corner. The one thing she needs is people to hold her accountable and tell her the truth, which is you shouldn't have did that. That was stupid. Do better next time. So we can forgive her and move on, man. But Jesus, I just had to talk about it, man. Like I said, she's not special because of her ability to run fast. You don't get a You don't get a pass because you're fast. And like I said earlier, the only people in this country who really get a pass on the rules is the politicians. And since we're talking about videos being released, let's talk about that Paul Pelosi video that came out. So I remember a couple months ago, I talked to a friend of a friend of a guy that I know that knows somebody's dog walker whose uncles fought in Iraq with the guy that I knew that was a cop on San Francisco PD that saw that video. And I remember I told y'all about that video, how bizarre the video was, yo. Know, and uh, man, so they finally released the Paul Pelosi video. Now, let me tell y'all something too before I get it deeper than that. That was a very strategic release of a video because they released that video the same day that the Memphis police released the video of the freaking uh, Memphis police beating that turned into a murder. Very, very smart on their behalf. But I was like, you can't tell me that wasn't planned out. Well, I know Paul Pelosi somewhere on his knees praying to that guy that died in that beating. Like, thank you, sir, for your sacrifices. I appreciate it because ain't nobody talked about that Paul Pelosi video hardly. I don't watch the news often, but i tell you this much. I ain't really seen mention of that video on my social media feed. And I ain't seen much mention of that video on the news, period. Ain't no one talking about that, man. So. It was overshadowed by the Memphis police beating video. So whoever's running his team, yeah, that was very smart on y'all behalf. But that don't mean I didn't see it. I still saw it, and I still got a lot of questions. Boy, that is the most weirdest encounter I've ever seen. He's standing there with the drink in his hand, and the dude's holding his hand. He's got the hammer. Yeah, I, I Honestly, I really don't know what to make of it and what to think of it like I say there, something's going on something's fishy like i said the fact that this man is super rich his wife a wife is a freaking super freaking politician been in the game forever no cameras on the outside of the house no video cameras the glass on the inside of the house was broken towards the outside it's like this guy would literally let in the house Yo, so i don't I mean, everybody's saying they gay lovers. I mean, if they are, bro, role play with the, I mean, the hammer. I ain't going to judge you, Paul. I'm not going to judge you. I wouldn't want to look at Nancy Pelosi either and them false teeth. I don't blame you one bit, man. Yeah, but yeah, but just seeing him get attacked, man, with that hammer, holy God, dude. You could just hear him. I don't know if y'all have ever heard anybody take a hit to the head and get that. <laughs> you, can hear, you can hear that in Paul after he got smashed with that hammer, man. So... I'm, I do hope that he's recovering well, but still I got questions, dog. I got questions like everybody else. Like what the heck did we just watch? Is the guy just crazy? Or did Paul know? Maybe the guy's definitely probably a little crazy, but then said, Paul let that dude in though. There ain't no doubt in my mind. He let that dude into that house. And while we're talking about videos, the Memphis police video that finally got released. So man, the way this whole thing transpired was super weird. I remember I would just be scrolling on social media. And then I would see a picture of this black guy on a hospital bed. And it says black guy, black man killed by Memphis police. And I'm just like, whoa, yo, what? Man, that's all we knew. And then I started seeing people in Memphis I knew saying, oh, my God, you know, pray for Memphis. I'm like, yo, what the heck is going on? And it was just super vague. We didn't know who and what was going on. And then the next thing you know, the media releases the pictures of five black law enforcement officers that killed that were involved with this man's death. And my first thought was, oh, my God, like, whoa, bro, this is going to be juicy. Oh, this is going to be real good. I got to know what happened. I'm ready to see this video because I was just like, man, brother's beating up a brother. We got some black on black crime. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, man, you know what? The news is going to sweep this shit under the rug. Real quick. Well, I know I know CNN and MSNBC was looking, saw them pictures of them black cops. It was like, damn it, John. Cancel the press. Cancel the press. Don't go through with the story. It's not what we think it is. It's just more black-on-black violence every day. Nobody cares. <laughs> That's pretty much what went through their minds, yo. Because so, honestly, after that video came out, I, you ain't really heard much else about it, man. So we wait a couple weeks, and the video gets released. And so the first thing I saw on the video was, well, the first thing that came to mind was some of the comments I heard about the video from people that had saw it that were talking in the media, you know, they said, this is worse than Rodney King. Now, let me say this. What happened to that guy in that video was horrible and horrendous. And that guy did not deserve that, yo. But I wouldn't call that beating worse than Rodney King. No, Rodney King took an ass whooping. From multiple people, multiple officers, man, they they teed off on Rodney King. I'm surprised Rodney King didn't die. Rodney King lived through that ass whooping, and he, you know, and he got paid for it too, yo. But this guy, man, I mean, it was it wasn't as vicious of a beating as Rodney King, but it was enough of a beating that this it killed him, you know. So to say it was worse than Rodney King, that yeah, because he died, yes, yeah, but visually. It wasn't as be- cringy as the Rodney King whooping, but it was still bad. Don't get me wrong; I'm not saying that it did what it, it was justified or nothing. It just it looked horrible. But I just remember looking at Rodney King like, "Oh my God, this is awful." And this one was awful, but it just it sparked emotions, but not as bad as Rodney King. The more the emotions come from the vi- this video, knowing that this guy died from this whooping that he took, you know. So. You no, know, the call it worse than Rodney King. No, I wouldn't say that, but it's still pretty bad It's pretty horrendous. And man, so I, when I first watched the video, I'm watching this video as a 13 year law enforcement officer, y'all. So I watched the video and the first thing I'm thinking when they're getting this dude out the car and they're down and he's on the ground and like they're trying to get his hands behind his back. But he's not necessarily complying, but he's not really resisting either. And I was just like, bro, this is weird. Like, what the hell is going on? You know. Then to me, like when they got him up, they stood him up, and he had his hands behind his back, but he wasn't cuff. You know, and they were holding him. And the way the, the, these officers were talking to this dude, it's like, say another motherfucking word, Nick. say another word, bro. So I'm gonna beat the fuck out you with this baton. I was just like, man, this is some. This is personal. This ain't police work. This is very personal, man. It just, it just struck me as. Man, these cats know this guy. This this ain't no regular traffic stop, dog. Trust me. I've seen officers get mad pulling over pedestrians for something stupid that they've done. I've seen officers yell at people for something done that dumb they've done driving. But I've never seen an officer in 13 years pull somebody from a car from, for reckless driving and beat them and, you know, throw them to the ground. Now, I've seen op- cops do dumb things that were unjustified, yo, but... Not to that point where on a random traffic stop, on a random guy, we're like, no, no, like we don't care enough for the most part, man. And as I and as they continue, he continued hitting this dude and the things they were saying to him. I just kept thinking to myself, this is a personal vendetta disguised as police work. There is something we don't know here, yo. And even the police chief said, you know, they said that they stopped him for reckless driving, but they don't have any proof of that in the video. That's not how you treat somebody that's driving recklessly. You don't man, if you're gonna do all that, that's when you go to a felony traffic stop. If you think the car you're pulling over, there's about to be some problems, you stop that car, get on your intercom, open your door, driver, you know, turn off your vehicle, throw your keys out. Driver, you know, roll down your window, you know, driver, show us your hand, step out the car, you know. You do all that. You don't ever just rush a car like that for under any circumstances. So I'm just watching this thing and I'm like, man, this is super personal. And so the, I'm just kind of at a loss for the video. Like, why would none of this makes sense? Like, why would they do this to this guy that they don't know on a random regular traffic stop? Then I'm on a uh, in a podcast chat group with people that know some people that know some people. And I get told in that chat, man, word coming out of Memphis is. That that guy was apparently sleeping with one of the officers, either his wife, either his ex-wife or his baby mom or something, something along that line where there's a personal connection and that officer is aware of this guy. So I heard that and I was like, that makes sense to me. I can absolutely understand and see that. I'm not saying that was justified, but that there to me provides a motive for this whole thing. And, you know, of course, it's a rumor. You know, then I had a buddy that's a fed that called me, works in the feds and was like, yo, bro, I don't know if you know, but what word is we're getting down here is that this guy. Sleeping with his wife, his girlfriend or baby mama, whatever it is, or his ex. And he found out and he wasn't happy about it. And also I heard that apparently, I mean, you can see dudes in the videos taking pictures of the guy. So I've also heard that he took the pictures of that guy that they just beat and killed and they sent and he sent it to the girl that uh, was cheating on him with the dude, you know? And I was just like, man, you know, and people are trying to say that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It absolutely does matter. Like I said, the justification for that, there is no justification for these guys actions in this video. Zero. I mean, part of me wants to realize like, come, if that's the case that this is what's really happening, I want to know How you coerced your fellow law enforcement officers, your brothers, man. Hey, dog, I just caught my wife sucking this dude off. I know where he live at. It's time to ride. It's time to regulate. We're going to get this fool, man. Dude, I'm telling you, man, that video, all I saw was just hoodness. There was nothing professional, nothing police about it. Man, this was some street shit, man. literally like some straight up ghetto fighting, bro, like literally some you see on world star hip hop, not police officers. They might be wearing a police officer's uniform disguised as cops. But those are that dude. them. dudes are not cops. I'm a cop. I would never do such a thing under any circumstances, man, because I don't want to shame this badge and I don't want to shame my department. Hell, I don't want to put my partners in a predicament to where they're going to be going to jail for the rest of their lives. Those aren't cops. I say they might have the credentials to be a cop. They might have the uniform, but they are not us. Any cop that would do that to somebody, another human being is not a cop. You're a disgrace to the uniform. And I'm glad that you will never wear this uniform again, because like I said, we have enough problems in this, you know, in this profession and in today's modern policing world, we don't need you all adding unnecessary stress and unnecessaryness just to the whole load that we're carrying right now, man. It's what I think was what five, six, seven dudes, man, that put cops in a bad light again. And we all know that this is not most cops, but that's how it's going to be perceived. And that's the sad part, man that people just can't look at this as an isolated incident. Cause this is a hundred percent an isolated incident. Now we've had cops that have gone done some dumb stuff. I mean, we've had cops, you know, look up, pull girls over and know, or run a tag and get their address and go to the show up at the girl's house and ask them for a date. We've had cops do some dumb, dumb stuff, bro. Trust me, man. We've had cops look up, you know, find out that their wife is cheating and look up the dude's info and go confront them. And we've had all that, yo. but, I can't say we've had any cops that while on duty (laughs) went and beat them, beat the pulp out of somebody that was cheating on with no cheating on their, with them on their wives. No, it's, it's weird. I, and I just, I've never seen that in 13 years. I mean, maybe back in the day, but now like it's so bizarre. And for these guys to do this and act this way, knowing that there's cameras around is super bizarre. I can't even the mindset of the, Everybody involved, I can't even explain it. Like, it's just like, how do you do this thinking you're going to get away with it? Or like, at some point in time, you know, like the decency in you has to come to the forefront and common sense has to say, you're going to get caught. Now, I'm going to be the old black guy, the old black guy voice that every black person has in their head when they get ready to do something wrong. Nigga, what the hell you think you're doing? Don't do that, nigga. You stupid. Now, trust me, I've had that old black man say that to me before many a times <laughs> you know, i mean sometimes that 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 old black man's subconscious has to come to the forefront yo but i guess this dude was sleep i don't know what he was doing but he was not in the minds of these cats while they were putting hands on this dude and just beating the mess out of him you know like i just i mean i, I couldn't even i just don't understand it i really don't you know another rumor i heard was that apparently this was a hit like these cops were vice lords And I don't know how credible that is, yo, but I do know that these guys were not the cream of the crop when they were hired. And I'm going to get into that shortly. But but the thing is, yo, so this is all rumored. I've heard it confirmed from people that I know and kind of trust. So maybe they're wrong. I don't know, yo, but here's the deal. This does matter because people say it doesn't matter. Why it matters is if he did this, this is premeditated. That's how you get to murder charge. Murder one, bro. Like you plan this out from start to finish like hey we're gonna get up at this date time gonna go to work y'all gonna run this plate we're gonna find his address we're gonna go stop his car we're gonna find him when we get him we're gonna mess him up like i said i don't think their intent was to kill him i honestly don't i think the dude was mad if he wanted to kill him he probably just could have shot him yo. but i think he just wanted to put hands on this dude and it went too far and it killed the man now that's why i'm sure that's why it's a murder too second degree murder charge for these guys, yo. But it's still just, it's too much, man. It's just like, my God, dude, like common sense, my man. I mean, we'll at least wait till you're off the clock. And the other reason I feel like this is important, because the media does not want this to come out, in my opinion, because it takes away their narrative. It takes away the narrative of cops are hateful and cops just want to stop people and beat people up and kill them. You know, without that, without the motive, the media can make whatever of this they want it to be. And I feel like that's what they're trying so hard to do, because when you put in the the fact that there might have been an adult, an affair happening, it takes away the legs of the media. It takes away the story. And it's not as cool. It is not as great. It's not as attractive. Personally, I think this makes the story more interesting. And I you know and it gives the story more pizzazz for the news. But they don't want that. No, they want that racial divide. The news wants that. The news can't help but but want to have that in there. They got to have the fact that these cops did this for no reason just because they saw another black man and they're black and they hate themselves for being black. And they just wanted to beat another black man up to prove themselves. So the white officers, that's the news. That's the story that the media is going for. But that does not make sense in the scope of this thing. And I'm saying that as a 13 year law enforcement officer. Beating someone like that for a reckless driving charge does not make sense. So don't believe what the media is telling you. Now, what I will say is that the family has come forward and said they've denied the allegations and the claims that their son was having an affair or some sort of dealing with the officer's wife, girlfriend or baby mama, whatever it is, or ex. Who knows? And of course, the family is going to deny that. Let me ask you, have you known anybody that's ever had an affair? And let, let me ask you this. Do you know anybody that's ever had an affair and they were proud of it and told their parents about it? Yeah, mom. Hey, dad, mom, dad. Just so you know, I met this chick. I'm smashing her and banging her out every day. Man, when her husband's gone, I come on over and I just I just go to work and go to town. I'm very proud. Oh, my God. Son, I'm so proud of you for being having an affair with somebody and have, being an adulterer. Oh, so girl, we're so proud of you. So happy. no. Of course, the parents are going to deny this because they want to save their son's image and they want to save his character. Now, of course, they're going to say that this isn't true. man. When people's kids get into these situations that are unthinkable you know, and they get caught doing some of the most crazy, stupidest, most violent things, parents always deny, 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 deny. That ain't my baby. You could be looking at straight at the video. Your kid putting a nine millimeter in somebody's head and pulling the trigger and be like, that ain't him. That ain't my baby. Like, man, yes, it is. Now, y'all put that video in there. Y'all put him in that video. Y'all just targeting him for no reason because he's a young black man in America. And, and, man, people deny what's right in front of them. You know so, And because that makes sense that these officers would target him because of this. But it just doesn't make sense to the family that, you no. Know, and, 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 of course, there's more money to be made for the tragedy of just officers wanting to kill somebody that day. You know, and honestly, I don't think that's the case. So, I mean, like I said, the truth is going to come out if the news media lets it and allows it. But I got a feeling that it's not going to come out because you already got people like Benjamin Crump in there, the major race traded, race hustling lawyer. I mean, he's at the forefront of all of this stuff and just getting rich and getting money, man, getting money off of black tragedy. So, you know, then you got the Al Sharptons that are coming in here you know, stirring up the pot and talking about this stuff. And, you know, it's so weird to hear their take on an incident where five black officers beat to death, a fellow black man, you know, it's just like, it's so bizarre in this news day and age, but they're still finding a way to get get in and capitalize on the situation. And I'll tell you the one thing about this situation that has really been bothering me and driving me crazy. Of course, it's going to be the news media who else, but man, even the news media, because these officers are black, they are still finding a way to place the blame on white people and white supremacy and giving these officers a moral out, which is absolutely insane. So Van Jones, if I don't know, he's a black commentator from uh, CNN, and the article says Van Jones says black officers might have been driven by racism against Tyree Nickel, I'm going to read just a little bit of the article. It says, From the King beating to the murder nearly three years ago with George Floyd, American society has often focused on the race of the officers, so often white, as a factor in their deplorable acts of violence. But the narrative white cop kills unarmed black man should never have been the sole lens through which we attempted to understand police abuse and misconduct. And then he goes on to say, One of the sad facts about anti-black racism is that black people ourselves are not immune to its pernicious effects. Black people are inferior, unworthy and dangerous, and it's infiltrating black minds. Self-hatred is a real thing. If the race of the victim who was brutalized, not the race of the violent cop, that is most relevant in determining whether racial bias is a factor in police violence. You know, when I first saw that art, when I first saw that article headline, you know, I immediately thought to myself, I was like, this has to be from the onion or the Babylon Bee. This cannot be legit. And this is a actual article and actual comments made by a CNN news person. This is unreal. Like we saw the video. Five black officers put their hands on this dude. And this dude is dead. I think there was one white officer that was involved. But yet, somehow and still, white supremacy is the blame. Not the acts of the individual officers, but white supremacy. Zero accountability for the Negro in this day and age. Zero accountability. Why let the Negro take a responsibility and accountability for their lives when you have white supremacy to always be the scapegoat? And you see, when you see article titles like this, this further tells you that they don't want the truth of this incident to come out and why these officers did what they did, because they don't want that to get out because that destroys their narrative of white supremacy. And the fact that there are black people out here that they claim hate themselves for being black so much that they just want to go and kill another fellow black man, which makes no sense. You know, and as I re- read, read this article, I think to myself, who is really buying into this message that you no know, black accountability that there's no such thing as black accountability and the white supremacy is the end all be all of evil who is buying into this message and listening to this and saying yep that's 100% right no I don't I, I don't want to believe that people are actually buying into these messages but I know that there are people that are. And I mean, this message is so much conveyed in today's society. I mean, every time I turn on a Netflix movie or an Amazon Prime movie, there is literally a mention of white supremacy and evil white people in everything that I read and everything that I do. There's always a mention of race. But race was not a factor in this thing, but they need race to be a factor so that they can stay afloat. You know, there's a quote by Booker T. Washington that says, There is another class of colored people who make business of keeping the troubles, the wrongs and the hardships of the Negro race before the public. Having learned that they are able to make a living out of their troubles, they have grown into the settled habit of advertising their wrongs, partly because they want sympathy and partly because it pays well. Some of these people do not want the Negro to lose his grievances because they do not want to lose their jobs. That's a quote by Booker T. Washington. And that quote directly affects this incident going on right now. This is 100% spot on, man. The fact that, like I said, you can see the video, five black officers, one black victim. And still, we are still talking about white supremacy and that it's not these officers' fault. All this was put in their mind by the evil white man that created this country and that distorted their mind of their fellow Negroes. It's, this is insane. You know, and the fact that if you don't go along with this narrative and you disagree, you a self-hating ass nigga, ain't you? Nigga, you just hate being black, don't you? You wish you was white. Coconut, Oreo cookie, race trader, slave catcher, you coon ass nigga. I bet you do everything the white boys tell you to do, don't you? You just a good old nigga, ain't you? Bro, just the amount of hate. The only self-hate that I see is from people that buy into this madness, man see, this is the exact reason this is one of the first reasons that sparked me to write my book. I am Pitt's memoirs of an American patriot. Man, I remember going through that years ago, about eight years ago. you like I was arguing with someone on Facebook and they were just calling me all these names and Uncle Tom and a coon. You know, I'm like, bro, you don't even know me and what I believe and stand for, man. How can you say these things to me? Especially because we got the same skin color, but I don't see the world as you see the world. And because of that, I hate myself. Now, I tell people in my book, I, at one point, I used to hate myself for being black and having dark skin. But you know where I learned to hate myself for that? Other black people, my fellow Negroes. People tortured me and treated me so bad and treated me so different because I'm dark skin. The way the things they said about me, the way me feel, man, I was dehumanized by people for being dark. Like I said it wasn't from white people. It was from people that were my color that I was a little darker than them, made me feel that much less than. And I took all that hurt and anger over the years and I started putting all that into a book. And I was coming after the black community hard because I was so upset and hurt because I've been rejected by the black community and because of how I was made to feel by the black community for being black. Then I realized that ain't all of the black community. I was just, you know, some people here and there, but your perception is that everybody feels like that about you, but that's not necessarily the case, but there is this problem in the black community with not, not self hate, but with hate of people that don't agree what it is to be black and what their perception of black is. And when you go against that, boy, you go against the grain. You have the entire culture come after you. And that is why I wrote my book, because I want people to know who I am, what I believe and what I stand for. Not just that, but my kids as well. Yo, but I wrote this book to push back the darkness. No pun intended. (laughs) I wrote this book to push back the darkness and the lies from the media, that the lies are going to come after my children and my family. I wrote this book to push truth forward and to show that you can be black and not be like everybody else. You don't have to think like everybody else. You can be black and be an individual. Lord knows I'm an individual. I don't need no one's acceptance and approval on what it is to be black. I'm just me. I'm just I am Pitts. That's it. And Van Jones doesn't speak for me. Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, the woke white people in the world and CNN and news that that nobody speaks for me but me. But some odd reason we're letting these people speak for all of the black community. I mean, heck, it's so this. These headlines are so preposterous that. I think even the black community can see through this bull crap. I've read some comments on f- social media that were like on this article that's like, bro, are we really doing this? Like, no, it's not white supremacy. These dudes did what they did. And like I said, but they need and want that narrative for ratings, for money, for f- fame, for clout. They need it. They need white supremacy to exist. They need it to be real because they don't want to accept the fact that black people are just as accountable. And responsible for their actions as anybody else. We don't get a pass. But for some odd reason. We just love to give black people. The pass on everything. They're just not responsible. We, We're not responsible for anything we do. It's just the white man bro. That's it. Just the white man. The white devil. That's all you need to know people. You know and I'm going to say this. I really feel like articles like this. Make more people racist. And dislike black people. This is literally pitting us against each other. And dividing amongst race. Literally, this is what it's doing. This is splitting us at the seams. I guess Van Jones has never heard of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And his dream of his children being judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. No, never, never, never mind the fact that we just passed Martin Luther King's birthday. Never mind the fact that it's Black History Month, bro. So we're going to celebrate Black black history, but we're not going to celebrate Black accountability and Black responsibility. Because those are dirty words in the community, and that is perpetuated by people like Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, Van Jones, and all these social media news outlets. Do not let them spoil your mind. Do not let them into your kids' minds. That's why I wrote my book. The media is so freaking dishonest. You know, there was an incident that happened the other day. I believe it was in uh, Huntington Park, California. Police shot and killed a double amputee. He's a black guy in a wheelchair holding a knife. So what happened was apparently this individual stabbed somebody and somebody called nine one one. Police show up. The man has a knife and the man, you know, he's trying to get away. He's holding a knife. And I mean, this ain't a little knife, man. This is a giant big knife, too. That's a huge knife. You know, and then the cops end up having to shoot the guy. And now the people are crying. Oh, they shot a black amputee, double amputee. This is how deceiving the news is. I saw this from the New York Post. It said officers fired roughly 10 rounds at the father of two whose family said he lost his legs in another police encounter. This man, he's just a victim of police violence. He lost his legs before police violence. This man was running from the police in Texas, the Texas DPS Department of Public Safety. Got in the accident during the chase and had his legs chopped off. Of course, they don't tell you why he's running and fleeing from the police. They ain't playing. They ain't out there playing tag. This wasn't a friendly game. This man's running from the police because he committed a crime. And but it's the, it's his it's the police fault that he lost his legs. And now it's the police fault that he lost his life because he stabbed somebody and they get on scene and the man's got a knife. Now I will say, the video. Do I believe the shootings justified? Absolutely, hundred percent justified. A knife is a deadly weapon. Legs are no legs, homie. Like you can get, you will get capped with the knife. Now I will say this to critique the officers. Not that I like, say 100% justified. Do I think there probably could have been other means? Absolutely. Now do I know, I don't know if the whole video shows if these officers came to the scene before with beanbag guns and shot them with beanbag guns. I don't know that. I don't know that. All I saw is a part where they were shooting him with their handguns with their handgun rounds. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, personally, I think they probably, I guess I don't know what they did before, but I mean, I don't see nothing wrong with trying to cordon off the area, block this guy's, you know, access and make sure he can't leave and go hurt anybody. But I mean, I mean, there's a million things that could have done, but what's the same lawful, but awful. And I'm not going to sit here and pick and Monday morning quarterback. These guys and say they made the wrong decision because I wasn't there, but clearly like I say, this guy already proven he's a scumbag. He's already proven that he's willing to stab somebody and kill somebody. And now, you know, as the cops said, they, they killed him because they felt in danger because they thought he was going to throw the knife. And guess what? He ain't got no legs, but two good hands are deadly. Anytime you can take a knife and throw somebody and kill somebody. Absolutely. You know, people might not agree with, that. you know, people might not agree with that assessment of deadly force, but absolutely it is a deadly instrument. You can kill somebody with a knife. And this man made his decision. But guess what? The media won't let him take responsibility for his actions that day that led to him dying. It was white supremacy and evil white officers that shot and killed this poor double amputee. They just had the father of two. And he was just such a great guy. He was just wobbling on to Sunday school and he didn't mean to hurt anybody. He was just trying to get away. That's what the other uh, other article said. It says from uh, the U.S. policing. I don't know what that is, but it says. California police killed double amputee who was fleeing, scared for his life. Wow. I said the media is so freaking dishonest, man. So dishonest. You know, this guy was no angel. He's not a perfect person. He's got issues. You know, he made his choice. But guess what? Yeah, he's no angel, but he's the common denominator in all these incidents, man. So if the black community wants to thrive and get better, we have to let the black community take responsibility and personal responsibility for everything that they do and that, that, that happens. You just have to. You can't keep making up excuses when people make bad decisions just because they're black. You, can't, you have to let them suffer the consequences, man. That's the only way you learn. If you rescue your child every time they go out and do something dumb, they're going to keep doing it because they know mommy and daddy's going to be here. I don't have to change anything. If you are a constant safety net, your kids will always fall. And white supremacy has become a constant safety net for the black community. Therefore, the black community will continue to struggle and continue to fail until people let the black community take up for its shortcomings. It is like I said, it is not for white people to fix white people. You ain't going to fix it. Stop back up. Take your hands off of it. Let the black community do its thing and self correct. That is unless you want black people to stay in their current predicament and don't want to see them make progress. And you want those votes every two to four years. They're going to keep preaching that same dogma, man. You know, and the other thing that's really gotten me with these incidents is we are now hearing more calls for police reform. My question is, what the hell is there left to reform? We've reformed everything. Man, people wanted body cameras. And now people, police have body cameras. And guess what? People still complain. It's an invasion of my privacy. I don't want you wearing that camera in my house. You know, it's you know. this is the worst part. So we do something, we catch somebody on camera, and then we show them the video, and they're like, "Man, that ain't real, man. Y'all altered that video." I remember, so I remember showing somebody video footage of them committing a crime. Like that ain't me. It's like, fool, you wearing the same T-shirt, same shoes. That ain't me it's just so crazy and i don't i can't understand the i can't explain the idi- the idiocy of it man i really can't so we people wanted body cameras now the police have body cameras but now they're still complaining and they still have trust issues and i guess i understand where the trust issues come from it's from a long history of crap in the past that's not always been on the up and up and i understand that but at a certain point you got to look at the evidence and say yeah you're right you're right that's me you know we now have civilian review boards which I think are stupid as hell and pointless, but the people have begged for it and now they're getting them. You know, and my whole thing is still, I don't understand how somebody who's never been a cop, never been to training, never done a day on the streets, is going to tell me how to do my job. Like I said, imagine me going to my local, you know, heart surgery clinic and say, I want to sit on the board. Why do you want to sit on the board? What are your qualifications? I don't have any qualifications. Where'd you go to medical school? I ain't go to medical school. What do you do? Nothing. I'm a cop. So what makes you think you're qualified to sit on here, amongst all these highly trained and seasoned, you know, heart surgeons that you can tell us what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong? You know, how can you? It makes no sense. I would get laughed out of the boardroom, yo. But for some odd reason, yo, we let people onto these civilian review boards that watch videos and, oh, that officer did that wrong, and they don't know a damn thing about policing. All civilian review boards are. It's an appeasement from the police department and politicians to the people making the most noise in the city that won't let black people take responsibility for their shit. That's all the civilian review board is. They don't have have any real power, but that's what they want. They want some real power. They want the power to make policies and laws for the police department and punish and fire officers. So it started out as non punitive, but eventually those civilian review boards are going to move to the point to where they have power to fire officers and punish officers. Now, they recommend punishments. Now they recommend stuff, yo. but that's going to change the further we go down this this line. You know, I mean, there's just been so many reforms with paperwork and this and that. I mean, this the reforms we've had on LMPD since I just before I left, man, my God, I just couldn't keep up. I mean, it's 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 insane. It's made the job unbearable and weighs you down with so much administrative work. Like every time you pull your gun out now, you know, it's a use of force to show force. You got to do paperwork on it. You know, it's like, my God, like, what else do I need to do? And it's supposed to be the sergeants, but no, they making the officer do it. And if you work in the hood, you might pull your weapon four or five times a ship sometimes you know, and point it at somebody. So that's four times you got to do paperwork, taking you away from actually being on the street, doing your job. But we reform pursuit policies. We can't chase anyone or anything for no matter what. It has to be like a legit crime. Like, we have to see you kill a midget, cut it in sections, stuff it in your trunk, and then you take off from us and we chase after you. Like, that literally has to be it. But other than that, we literally can't trust you. We can't chase any cars. And I understand that there's a lot of liability in chasing these cars for misdemeanor offenses, yeah. But at the same time, man, we got to do something. I mean, we're just sitting on our asses and letting people... Run amok and break the law with no consequences whatsoever. And that's the crazy part. bro. Like They, they got the Kia challenge going on now, and they, they're breaking into these Hondas and Kias using iPhone charging cords. It's, it's bananas out here in the streets, and we're not doing a thing about it. It's just all happening. Like, man, we come across stolen cars all the time. My buddy had one the other night. Leaving the mall, almost hit somebody, and I'm not pursuing radio. Be advised, they're hitting eastbound. That's all we could do. And now, of course, that car eventually crashes out in Louisville and they get the guy. But my God, like y'all want police reform and pursuit policies. And guess what? You got it. Now, guess what? Your cars are getting stolen all the time and we can't do anything about it. I'll come. I'll take that report for you. But that's it. If I see it, I'll try to stop him nicely. Hey, sir, can you pull over? Nope. There's finger. OK. Well, have a good day. Hey, radio. I just saw that guy's car that just got stolen. Tell him sorry. I couldn't do anything for him. So, you know, it's. Police reform, man, you know, the next thing to be reformed, there is no nothing else to reform. The next thing that's going to happen is they're just going to have to absolutely abolish the police department, get rid of every single human in uniform, and we're going to have to go with RoboCop because that is literally going to be the only way thing left to reform is getting human beings, people out of uniform. That's it. And then even then, I got a feeling if we did put RoboCop out on the street, know what's going to happen? There's going to be somebody standing by when a young black man gets shot by Robocop. A nigga black man. They programmed that robot to be racist, man. Who programmed that robot? White supremacy programmed that robot. And see, it ain't never. you'll never win. You will never win this battle. If they programmed that robot to hate niggas. That's what you're going to hear every time, bro. Like I said, it's a never-ending battle. And every time you give an inch, they're going to take a yard until we get to the point to where you hit in the streets performing with Robocop. So I want to ask all the people out there that ain't cops, that hate the cops and not fans of cops. You're probably not listening to the show, but I know some haters do be tuning in, though. So what's up? You know, but how is this police reform working out for y'all thus far? Because the only thing I'm seeing is increased crime, less proactivity, and more people dying in the streets, especially young black lives being lost out here. That's all I see in the streets every day. I see people's stuff getting stolen left and right, and ain't no police work being done. Bro, police are strictly reactive now, strictly reactive in the big city. And nothing is improving in the black community with these reforms. Crime numbers are still high. So how's that reform working out for you? You know what it's gotten you? It's gotten you a shrinking police force and ranks of of police departments filled with crappy officers and crappy police leaders. That is what it has gotten, y'all. If you don't believe me, let's look back to this Memphis police beating and murder that just happened, that I just talked about. So, of course, the New York Post, even for the New York Post to, to post this article is interesting, but it says Memphis cops charged in Tyree Nichols murder hired after PD relaxed job requirements. At least two of the five Memphis police officers charged with murder in the fatal beatdown of Tyree Nichols joined the force after the department relaxed relaxed its hiring requirements. Thaddeus Bean and Demetrius Haley. Both joined the Memphis Police Department in August of 2020, more than two years after the department dramatically loosened the education qualifications to become an officer. And I can tell you this. It don't take an education to be an officer. You don't have to have a degree. But see, I guarantee you what they're not telling you is that they let some stuff in that background go because they were desperate for uh, put body warm bodies in uniforms. They needed somebody to fill the ranks, bro. That's what that was. It ain't just the, it ain't just the education requirements that they laxed on to loosened up on, man. Don't fall for that one bit. So what y'all have created with all this reform and all this police hate is your current predicament that you're living in. You call for a cop to show up. and Now you got some piece of crap in a uniform that shouldn't be a cop in the first place. And he's giving you bad attitude and lip service and really doesn't care about what you want or need as a citizen in need of help. That's what you're getting. You're getting officers with no moral compass that can sit and watch this beating go down and not intervene and step in and stop or say or do something. That's what you're getting. You're getting officers that can't control their emotions and that are using their job to go out and do ill to people and hurt the people that they swore to protect. Even though when they got hired, they never had any interest in protecting the people or the Constitution. This was a self-serving motive for them. That's all it was. See, you all have driven away good, honest people from this profession. Not saying that there are people that are getting hired that are not good and honest. There's a lot of scumbags coming into law enforcement right now because the decent people that would do this job don't want this job because they don't want to go through this crap every day of how we're treated. And the benefits and the money that we get, man, there's like, no, I could go make money doing something else with a lot less stress. And I don't blame anybody for choosing the other option. I really don't. Me, I said, I love my job and I'm staying because I feel like I'm in a vital time in this profession right now. You're where they we need good, honest, hardworking people. Now, I want to be that guy, but I can't shout or shame anybody. That's like, bro, what the hell with this? I'm done. I'm done. I'm not doing this, man. I don't. You can't judge anybody for walking away from a horrible situation like that, where people don't care about you. And the moment you make a mistake, you're in the news and they're going to try to take away your life and your liberty and your freedom. People get in this job to make a difference in the community, but we won't let people make a difference. No, because people want these reforms and these reforms. All these reforms do is tie officers feet together. When their hands are already tied behind their back, now their legs are tied together and they can't do anything. So all officers do now is go to work, find a nice, comfortable parking lot, you know, nice sit at the station, put on a nice Netflix movie. And when you call, they respond. That's what you've gotten. And that's a driving crime because cops don't want to do the job. You know, a lot of guys are now here for the paycheck, not for the calling, but for the paycheck, not for the people, but for the paycheck. We've driven away all our high moral officers, veteran seasoned officers that don't have a problem stepping up to another officer, doing something wrong, telling them it's to stop and call them out and to put them on blast. You don't have that because you have guys that don't have a moral compass. You know, the word police reform is now officially it's a buzzword. It's a catchphrase. It means more crime and less accountability for criminals. And it means more accountability and more restrictions for cops. And that means more dangerous streets and less freedom of movement for citizens in this country, which is the exact opposite of what we what we should expect here. You shouldn't have to live in fear of your life every day because crime is so bad out of your city. But you have a police force that has been crippled by the media, politicians, social justice warriors and all sorts of reforms that ain't helping nobody. And you know what I say to all that? That's fine. I'm at a point. I've been doing this so long. I just I don't care if that's if that's what you want from your police department. My God, man, you get the police department you asked for. If that's what you want and you're letting these people speak for you, that's fine by me. You know what I did because I don't agree with it. I picked up my family, packed my bags and got the hell out of this city and moved to a place that's a lot better, a lot safer and where they still believe in law and order and accountability for criminals. That's what I did. It's unfortunate for the people that live in Louisville and all these other major cities, yo, that believe in law and order and accountability and personal responsibility. yo. but nobody cares about the victims and nobody cares about what happens to them or their loved ones. We only care about the criminal. That's it. And we only care about white supremacy. Anything outside of that, we don't pay attention to and it's a damn shame. And that is why people are flocking from these major urban centers to smaller surrounding suburban towns, man, nobody wants to deal with this crap, man. And I know everybody's like, so what's the solution then, Dex? What, what are we going to do? What's it going to take? Let me tell you what. There, there is no real reform that is suitable, man. You know, sure, there are little things. I'm not saying that police departments are perfect and that there's nothing we can do to get better. There's always something we can do to get better. You know, I mean, but it's, it's going to cost and takes money. You want a better police department, you're going to have to pay More taxes for a better police department for more qualified, better officers. You're going to have to pay great salaries and give great benefits to attract people that you want in that uniform. That's what it's partially going to take. But also at the same time, it is going to take the American people realizing. And having a come to Jesus moment and realizing that the current state of policing in America is actually really good if we let cops just simply do the job. But by letting cops simply do the job, you also have to accept and understand that cops are flawed as people. We experience stress. We experience fear. We experience anger. We experience everything that a normal person does. You all have to take into account the human factor and realize that sometimes cops are going to make mistakes. And you all have to realize the American people have to realize that. You know, these five, six, seven cops in Memphis do not speak for all cops. We have to stop putting all cops in this bucket and just saying you are all shit. We can't do that because that's not the truth, man. I don't know any cop here in the last few weeks. that saw that video and was like, oh, my God, I would have done the same thing. I've not met one cop that said that. If there's one thing we can unite on in this country right now is the fact that these guys in this uniform are scumbags and not good cops. And nobody hates bad cops more than good cops, man. But it's going to take the American people to wake up and realize we are not all the same and not all created equal in that uniform. And it's going to take a little mercy and a little grace to understand that, you know, when a cop makes a decision and it doesn't necessarily end up right. You got to know that cop's heart at the end of the day and what that cop really believes in. And where that cop is coming from, man, sometimes you're going to have to make that hard choice in uniform with the guy with no legs and a knife running down. Well, not running down the street, but hobbling down the street like you're going to have to make that hard choice. And you can't be too critical of this dude because you don't know the stress and the worry. I'm sure if there was another way they would have they would have done it. I know they would have because nobody wants, especially a white officer in this day of white supremacy where everything is white supremacy and evil. What white officer wants to shoot a black man with no legs with a knife because that white officer already knows how that's going to turn out. So you got to ask yourself, did that officer really want to have to shoot that man? Use your noggin, man. Use some common sense. No. You know, reform is not always needed. But like I said, what is needed is realistic expectation. Of our police officers, man, and realizing that most of us are decent. Like I said, but that there are some scumbags out here in this uniform. That's it. Have realistic expectations for your officers, people. Like I said, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. But as I said before, there's a difference between going out of your way to do the wrong thing. And making a choice, thinking and believing that you're doing the right thing and it turns out to be wrong, complete difference. So I'm going to get ready to end it on this note, people. Man, I'm glad I'm glad I did this, man. I was struggling all week and my apologies to you all. Like I said, it's it's been rough out here, man. It's been rough on night shift, but hopefully I'll be getting off the night shift here in a couple weeks. I'm ready to have my life back. I'm ready to sleep at nighttime like a normal person. And before I go, I just want to mention to you all. I had something wonderful happen a couple weeks ago. I finally finished my audiobook and the audiobook was officially accepted and is now available. The I Am Pitts audiobook, I Am Pitts Memoirs of an American Patriot, read by yours truly, me, is available for download, man. I am so happy and so proud. And I've been saying this, man, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to brag on myself a little bit. I think the audiobook is absolutely phenomenal. Now, is it perfect? No. It's not perfect. I make some mistakes here and there, but I mean, this is my first time reading an audiobook and especially my own audiobook. But even though it's not perfect, I know that anybody who listens to it will enjoy it. I promise you will enjoy it. I, I you know, I've had to go back and listen to certain parts and monitor things and try to catch stuff and I was just listening like, man, I'm a man that reads a lot of audiobooks, so I know a decent audiobook and I was listening to mine like, damn, boy, you did that thing, man. You really did that, man. I think it's awesome. I think it's spectacular. I think it's great, man. And the thing is, you can feel and sense the emotions in the story as I'm reading. And I do my best to try to paint the picture for you all with me while I'm on patrol in Iraq and while I'm of my mom's bedside while she's dying from a bullet wound to the head. I'm, I want you all right there with me to feel the emotions like what it was like in 2020. To be on the front line and endure all that. Not just me, but we endured as police officers and our families in 2020. So, man, do yourself a favor, man. Go and download the audiobook. It is available on Audible. You should go to Amazon.com or Audible.com and you can type in I am Pitts and it will pop up. Do yourself a favor. Get the audio book. Take a listen. And I know that you will get something out of it. OK, whether it's entertainment or some life lessons learned. Hey, you will get something out of it. All right. And then after you do that, please be sure to leave me a review on the audiobook. All right. Not just the five stars. Give me some comments. Give me some feedback. I want to know what's good, what's bad. I want it all. I just want to hear from you all. I want to hear from the people. All right. And I'm going to have a quick contest real, real quick. So I don't know who's listening, but whoever is the first person to listen to this podcast. And the first person who finishes this podcast And sends me a message on my Instagram page at IamPits1. That's the number one, IamPits1 on Instagram. First person to send me a message that says, free pits. I'm going to give you a promo code to download the audio book for free. So whoever listens to this and sends me the message, free pits, you're getting a free audio book. All right. Well, if I was y'all, I would (clap) chop, chop, get to it. I don't know who's going to listen to first. But the first come, first serve. You want that audio book, that free download, dog. Come get it. All right. And like I said, be sure to follow me on my Instagram. I am pits one on Instagram, please. Like I said, I'm still trying to get those followers up, man. It's rough. But like I said, I'm not trying to be an Instagram. Uh, what is that? I forget. An Instagram influencer, man. I just like connecting with the people and I like talking to y'all. I got a message the other day from a guy that was telling me, thank you for what you do, for writing the book and he, how he appreciates it. My brother, if you are listening, I cannot tell you how thankful I am for you taking the time to listen or read my book and for tuning into my podcast. You know who you are, man. I'm not going to call you out on the show, but I want to say thank you so much for that. Because just like you, even though you know, some of my worst struggles are behind me, that doesn't mean that I still don't struggle. I still have days where I question if getting down here and getting on this podcast and putting all this out is worth it. Or if I'm really making a difference, my brother, you showed me that no matter how little I think of myself or what I do sometimes that what I do does matter and that I am making a difference. Even if it's just one person, you're the only person I reach and you're the only person I touch. Thank God. I'm glad that you got something out of my book. And I hope that you're just the first of many, man. I said, I've been through the struggle and I want people to know that you are not alone out here in the struggle. We are all in this struggle together. All of us. No, nobody's exempt. No matter how much money you got, how great your family is, where you come from, what you believe in, the color of your skin. None of us are exempt from the struggle because the struggle is a is a part of the human condition. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, be sure to tune in to the next podcast. And be sure to uh, go and rate the show for me as well, okay? Like I said, it's been a while since I've been back on. And, man, my God, I'm still trying to get my podcast feedback up under me. And hopefully I get back sooner for another episode. Like I said, it's been kind of hard. But hopefully there's better days on the horizon and a little bit more rest for your boy. All right, so don't forget about the contest. Remember, free pits to my I Am Pits one page on Instagram. Get your copy of that book, the most anticipated audiobook of all time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Iron Pitch Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. I love each and every one of you. I appreciate you all, and I will see you all on the next one.